Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our technology and media-saturated world. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then decide how you'll incorporate that into your family's lives. Our ultimate goal is to keep you informed and equipped to parent your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. In today's news, we're going to be talking about Google integrating food delivery, as well as deepfake technology. In our character focus, we're going to be talking about the virtue of independence. In our apps, five facts, we'll be discussing the app DoorDash. And in our family focus, we're going to be talking about being controlled by convenience. All right, in the news... We have Google announcing that it is integrating food delivery services right into the Google interface of Maps and the search feature. Many people use the apps for their navigation as not only just determining directions, but as well as when they arrive at a location, Google can tell you a list of nearby restaurants, the ratings, um, and you can also see the menu and the reviews of that restaurant. And now... Added to that feature is the ability to order online without ever going to another app using just Google Maps. You can be able to connect with one of the food delivery apps, one that we're going to be discussing today, like DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, any of those. And you can order straight from Google and have it delivered right to your home. This is just another way that Google is dominating this field and as well as keeping us um, entranced in convenience. Also in news, there's been a lot of talk about deep fake technology and how it's going to possibly affect the future. Now in general, deep fakes are digitally manipulated photos that are created using artificial intelligence, teaching a computer model um, to model features and movements of faces based on pictures. Now, mostly celebrities are the targets of these deep fakes because there is a vast amount of public images that can be used on these celebrities in order to train these, quote, deep fake algorithms. Now, the term deep fake originated in 2017 by a user on Reddit who was um, named, quote, deep fakes, and he was posting celebrity pictures' faces on um, pornographic pictures. Um, he was doing that on Reddit. This is where the term deep fake really got its name. Now, the amount of digital images and pictures available of just everyone now online through social media and whatnot um, really brings the concern as to what does this mean for everyone's future, right? Not just celebrities being put on uh, maybe pornographic images, um, but this brings up a lot of concern about what this technology will look like in the future. Now, Samsung's artificial intelligence research lab recently demonstrated the power of this technology, um, which has really spurred a lot of the talk um, in the tech industry about this topic. Um, They say with just a few photographs of real faces, they have been able to produce what they describe as photorealistic talking heads. And they actually call the results of this puppeteering because of how it looks as these targeted faces are being manipulated by invisible strings. Perhaps the best example of this is how these researchers have been able to take one photo of the Mona Lisa and realistically make her smile. That's, you know, stoic face of the Mona Lisa that we've all come to know and recognize. 
now can really authentically look as though she's smiling. This is sort of the reality of what deep fake technology um, can lead to. Now, interestingly enough, right, these fabricated pictures and videos are protected under the First Amendment because of their um, freedom of expression, freedom of speech, whether it be um, creative expression or satirical expression, it's still um, protected under this First Amendment. One attorney, when interviewed in these articles, said, you know, oftentimes technology is way ahead of the law. And right now, there are no laws appear to prevent this type of um, stuff from coming out, these type of pictures. So as a family, I think it's important to know this technology, to keep your, your thumb on where it's going, to know what, how it can affect your future, especially for teens, people who are getting a lot of their news and information online, you know, show them what this technology looks like. There are lots of um, YouTube videos that can show you the pictures that they're originating from as to how they're manipulating them to look. You know, let them see it and, and ask them, you know, what are your concerns when you see this type of technology? Can you see this being used maliciously? Or is it all just kind of all in good fun? Is it just, you know, one of those other things that technology is doing? It's important, though, to help them generate their own thoughts about this, thinking of both the good or the positive effects of this, as well as the negative consequences that this can, this can bring about. In today's character focus, we're going to be discussing the virtue of independence. Now, this is a virtue that we as parents desperately want our children to learn, but aren't always willing to do what it takes in order for them to learn it, right? Um, by definition, the virtue of independence is a freedom from the control, influence, or support or aid from another, right? In our kids' lives, that is us. We are the ones controlling, influencing, supporting them. So independence really is going to look like relying on us less and relying on themselves more. Now, how we relate that to technology is, of course, we want them to be able to use their devices, whether that be a smartphone a laptop computer, the internet, or their game console. We don't want them to use it responsibly and for good, right? Not using it as a tool and not as a weapon and also using it in moderation, not allowing it to sort of take over their lives or um, consume them to where they're not achieving other responsibilities or goals, right? That is the idea of independent use of technology where we're not limiting them, but they are responsible enough to limit and moderate themselves. So as we talk about how we build this in our kids, especially with technology, I think it's important to recognize, you know, as I researched this, one of the main things that always came up with um, when I found online about teaching children to be independent is, of course, our own barriers as parents, right? And that is a good question. Are you the barrier? to your child learning independence, to, for them to become an independent individual. And some questions that they suggest asking, right, is are you uncomfortable allowing them freedom, right? When it comes to technology, are we uncomfortable allowing them to search the internet? Are we uncomfortable to allow them to play maybe a video game that may be within their age range? Or are we allowed or uncomfortable um, allowing them the freedom to have a smartphone? Maybe we're still resisting that. Um, outside of technology, we see this a lot as well. Are we uncomfortable with them driving a car or getting a job, even though they're 16 and they're of age to do those things? 
It can even be um, things when they're younger. Are we okay with them playing outside without a parent? Are we okay with them being left at home alone, maybe by themselves without someone else being there? These are all stages of independence. Um, really, and they're all interconnected. It's kind of a, you know, a lifelong journey from you know, birth all the way until they, until they leave the nest. One thing that's important after we kind of recognize these barriers that we may be for our children learning independence, number one thing every expert about independence or child psychology will say is stop doing things for them, right? So when it comes to technology, maybe that means there comes a time when your limits, whether it be time limits or limits on what type of video games that they might play or um, what apps they're allowed to use, how much maybe but internet, um, all that type of things where you sort of release your control, right? Release your influence on that knowing that you have taught them for a long period of time from the time they got a smartphone until maybe now they're 16 or 17 years old and you're giving them this independence to sort of make those decisions on their own, right? To stop doing that. It's really easy when you look outside of technology. We know, right, when a child can um, wash their own clothes, by all means, we can have them do that. I love how you see online where it says, if a child can operate an iPad, they can operate a washing machine, right? So have them do their own laundry. If they can pack their own lunch, have them pack their own lunch. They may not want to, but those are all steps for independence. They're necessary, right? Before we can say, hey, I trust you with, you know, setting your own boundaries for screen time, you know, when they're maybe a senior in high school, right? But if they still can't pack their lunch or do their own laundry, well, then we kind of have issues, right? They need to be, be establishing things outside of technology responsibly and exerting independence and freedom in that regard. So that we know that in technology too, they're going to make the right choices. One thing that I love that we um, had started doing in our family is sort of creating an expectation and freedom list. So we have this set of expectations and freedoms, but then we have this list of um, how you're going to earn all of this level of independence that you really want because you're going to meet these basic expectations and responsibilities. We've written this out which has been really beneficial for not only the children, but as us as parents as well. And it is definitely recommended, you know, when you look through um, building independence in children, um, as far as research goes, they definitely say, you know, writing it out and having something consistent is really important. And here's the reason why, because I have found this in myself and I'm sure you as a parent has probably felt this as well, is you allow this level of independence, they're doing great. And then all of a sudden, you know, this guilt, right, this barrier that we talked about earlier that stops us from from letting our kids be independent comes up and we say, well, I should be doing more for my, my child, right? They're still living at home, but I never see them because they're going out with their friends. And yeah, they may be working a job and, and getting straight A's and doing all these things, but you just have this desire that, or this compulsion to exert some control. And so you say, oh, no, you can't go out. Well, why can't I go out? I've met all of my expectations and responsibilities, your children may say. And then the, what that freedom sheet what that independent sheet does is, is they can hold you accountable just as you can hold them accountable. So you may have a desire to pull back that independence and freedom, but that's not good or healthy for them, right? If they're operating great and responsibly and maturely inside that independence and freedom, then we should really be okay with rejoicing in that because that means we have done a good job, right? There's no reason for guilt um, or shame that we need to all of a sudden exert some control or influence. So some examples of this, um, first, non-tech related, right? 
For example, when we start um, our kids off driving, we do help them by providing them um, an inexpensive car, but then they are responsible not only to work in order to pay for their own gas and all the driving that they're going to do, but they also have to, then they're responsible for getting their own oil changes, to getting the car inspected, any maintenance, because come adult life, that is going to be a requirement, right? When they are in their 20s, we're not going to be behind them saying, hey, don't forget, you know, your inspections due, or did you get your oil change or whatnot? They're going to feel some natural consequences if they, they ignore those type of alerts happening around them. And we want them to be able to have that independence and freedom and to build that responsibility young. So that's one way that we, we give them freedom to drive and to, to go where they want with, within a reason or limits. But at the same time, they're responsible for all of their car. Now, when it comes to technology, I have I'm now a junior and senior um, living. They're my two oldest living at home. And one way for my son, he you know really loves to play video games. But we, of course, don't want to allow all the children to play as much video games as he, as a junior in high school, may be allowed to play. So he's a homeschool um, student. So he, as long as he does his schoolwork online, he maintains A's and B's. He works in order to, to save money and to pay for his his gas and activities. Once all of those things are done, as well as household chores, he is allowed to play video games uh, however long he wants within certain limits. And those limits are that he's not playing um, in front of the younger siblings who don't get that same privilege. And as well as he's um, setting his own boundaries in order to learn from them. So if he was to play video games um, until you know one or two in the morning, but he has to be at work at 6 a.m., well, then he's going to feel the natural consequence of that and have to learn to self-moderate, right? That's the goal. We're giving them this independence because he is already achieving and meeting all of the other responsibilities. So we want him to learn that here while he's inside the home, right? We don't want him to, to leave home and go to college and have all of this freedom and not know how to manage it, right? I could just skip class and just stay in my dorm room and play video games all day, right? But he's already had practice here inside the home where there is some accountability um, in order to learn that. So this is a great way. We really need to remember as parents that our children really need to practice having independence. And we as parents need to practice letting them have this independence. Even though it sort of goes against the grain of our culture now, we really want to allow this. And when, when it comes to technology, that's why starting young and building these character traits in them is so important. Knowing um, how to teach them to self-moderate, how to be kind and respectful, um, as well as responsible with this technology is so crucial. That way, when they're 17, 18, they're getting ready to leave the home that you know, you can say with confidence that they're going to be independent and responsible users of this technology. All right. In our apps focus today, we're going to be discussing DoorDash. Now, the first fact that you need to know about DoorDash, it is an order food delivery service. DoorDash describes themselves as a technology company that connects people with the best in their cities. So it is an app and it works with restaurants as well as employees, which are their drivers, in order to deliver food to people's homes or businesses wherever they're at. So you can go on the app, you can order food, and then it connects with a driver, and then that ends up being delivered to your home. So they're kind of like just the service 
providing the connection between the restaurant, the driver, and you. The second fact about DoorDash is its dashers. Now, a dasher is your delivery driver, and how this works is essentially any delivery driver um, has their app interface. They can then be pinged as far as the location of the restaurant, the location of the delivery, and then they can decide um, whether or not they um, take that order or not, or someone else takes that order. Ultimately, these dashers are, um, are paid a regular base pay, but then you can also tip. You can tip before they arrive, and um, DoorDash also allows you to tip after they have left. I think you have up to 30 days, the app says, in order to um, add to your tip amount. You can also rate that dasher as how they did. Now, the third fact that you need to know about DoorDash is that there is a set delivery fee. $5.99 is their set amount that you're going to pay for delivery. So if you're ordering a $10 pasta dish, you can go ahead and expect to pay $15.99 for that to be delivered to your home. However, DoorDash does also offer a $9.99 monthly subscription. And this essentially with this subscription allows you to order how much ever you want for the month and you don't have to pay that $5.99 delivery fee. So pretty much it's unlimited to delivery for $9.99 a month, which if you were to deliver pretty frequently, this would be a great thing to do. One more subscription you can add to your list. Now, one feature that DoorDash does have that is really popular is that you can track the status of your order um, from its delivery point until your home. You can check the status and the location of the driver, which a lot of people really like. Now, fact number four about DoorDash is its sort of competitors. Now, there are, there's Grubhub, Uber Eats, and Postmates, which are all pretty much the most popular apps for food delivery. DoorDash is ranked the highest currently, as I record this, in the App Store, but it is fluctuating a little bit. But ultimately, they are very much the same. Grubhub is known for its promo codes and delivery discounts. DoorDash does do this a little bit, but they, they never do it um, as much or maybe as often as Grubhub. Um, if you don't mind looking for online deals, a lot of times Grubhub may be an actual cheaper option than DoorDash. Grubhub doesn't have a set delivery fee. Also, they allow the restaurants they partner with to choose the set fee that you can see before you submit an order. Um, they make money essentially by taking an average of 13.5% commission off on the orders, which means that the online prices are usually significantly higher than the, as they say, on-ground location. So if you're going to eat that $10 pasta dish in the restaurant, you're going to pay $10. But if you're going to buy it through the app and have it delivered, you may pay $13. Uber Eats is another one of these apps um, that seems to be um, maybe a little bit more affordable as well as far as delivery fees. It varies between $5 and $8 for your delivery fee. And Postmates, it does do food delivery, but it's not limited to just restaurant deliveries. They can also have their drivers pick up things from the supermarket, hardware stores, and pharmacies. And all of these are really based on the city that you live in. They're not available everywhere. If you live in a big city, chances are that these are available to you. But if you live outside of a big city, chances are you are not going to find these features. All right, the fifth fact about DoorDash that you need to know is the rating system. 
Now the App Store gives it a rating of 12 plus and Google Play says E for everyone. DoorDash itself does not give specific guidelines for age. It does state that you have to be 18 years or older to be a driver for DoorDash, but does not prohibit minors from using the service. Brave Parenting standpoint is a 12 plus, but really it depends on the maturity and the situation of your family. If your child does have the maturity and this service is available in your city and your family situation would make this a really helpful convenience, then there isn't any reason why not to allow this app. There isn't anything dangerous about the app itself. However, if your child was to abuse this service, maybe ordering food too much or when they're not supposed to, or maybe even ordering food for their friends, this may be a privilege that you would then have to take away. And that brings us to our family focus, really tying this aspect of convenience in and how much control it has over us. You know, often we as parents um, sort of get frustrated that our young generation, this Generation Z, is so controlled by immediacy or instant gratification. And what we need to recognize, you know, as parents is we can't really blame them for feeling this way because they are growing up in a world um, that convenience has just expanded and exploded. And what was once so normal, right, handwriting letters and mailing them is now archaic in just a very short amount of time. I love how, um, it's funny how co-founder of Twitter, Evan Williams, actually recently stated that convenience decides everything. You can definitely apply that to social media, but it, it really applies to all of your daily decisions. And I think this is important to think about as you and your family decide how you will incorporate different technologies into your family's lives, whether or not you're going to allow the app for food delivery on your children's phones, whether or not you're going to allow anything, um, maybe like Alexa inside the house, right? Allowing any sort of convenience to take away something that maybe builds character. So here's an example. I love this. Um, There was a opinion post in the New York Times posted in February of 2018 about convenience. And he stated it this way. He said, convenience has the ability to make other options unthinkable. For example, once you have used a washing machine, laundering your clothes by hand seems irrational and even unthinkable. Even if it may be cheaper, you're just not going to do that. You're going to use the washing machine. Resisting a lot of convenience nowadays is, is almost too hard, right? You could refuse to use Google and go to the library and look up a lot of material and research through encyclopedias, but that seems crazy when you could just Google it from your home and get the answer within maybe 30 seconds, what would take you an hour or more going to the library. So because of this level of convenience, we do allow it to decide a lot of things for us, and we sort of surrender a lot to it. This convenience isn't necessarily evil, but at the same time, it does have some consequences. So for example, if you're on Facebook, you have the convenience of connecting really easily, sharing a lot about your life with family you may not see very often, um, having that immediate connection. However, why are you surrendering is your privacy. As we've known from some of the, the scandals, right? Facebook is collecting a lot of data on you. Similarly, you also have like Alexa inside the home. It's really great and convenient to have an Alexa. You can tell it to play music. You can ask it questions. It's right there. It's easy. That artificial intelligence can indeed make your life easier. However, what are you surrendering? Well, you're sort of surrendering your home privacy, your conversations. Alexa is always listening to you. 
So this is important to think about, not only because of the, the privacy you know, consequences, but what else are you sacrificing or surrendering to this convenience? The mental resources, the, the mental thought and exertion that it requires um, to sort of think through and solve problems when convenience isn't there to do it for us. So take, for example, this idea of food delivery. We just talked about the DoorDash app. If a child has access to that, I mean, say you live in a city that, you know, you can order anything that you want from DoorDash, any restaurant, you know, host of restaurants all in your big city. You're at work all day during this, during the summer, your child, um, you say, Hey, you're responsible for finding yourself lunch. If they had access to that app, chances are they would order food delivery, especially if it's not coming from your pocket. But if they didn't have access to that, they're going to have to think through, what am I going to eat? Chances are you, you're not going to go starving because you have food in the house. And as they work to solve that problem, they can either get creative and start you know, doing some cooking and actually become you know, a good cook and good in the kitchen in that regard, or they can solve their, you know, their problem with the solution you know, really simply and eat a tortilla with some cheese you know, that's been microwaved. That is a solution. It may not be the healthiest or best, but it is a solution that required mental thought and exertion. Sometimes this world where everything is easy is taking away some of the struggles that really help define character. And I think this is really important because when everything is easy, all of a sudden the only skill that we have to have is the ability to multitask. How, um, how can I manage a lot of text threads all at once? And, and how can I post a picture really quickly without you know, taking up a whole lot of time? Or how can I reply in a timely manner to people's comments? And that sort of is all that it becomes, is this convenience all sort of wrapped up in our smartphone. So it's important as parents to embrace some more inconvenience, maybe not in everything all the time, but more often, right, in order to help our kids struggle a little bit to find solutions that may not just be super easy to give them a little mental effort, mental exertion in order to build character, right? We need to know that struggle is not always a bad thing. It's definitely not always a problem. So I thought about this and how I could build this, um, this ability to not be controlled by convenience even more with my own children. So I kind of made a list of things that I definitely give into as far as convenience goes in modern technology world, as well as things that have maybe kind of resisted that I think is good that I want to keep on doing. So some things that I've given into is online grocery shopping with delivery. My local grocery store does offer home delivery and I don't use it all the time, but I will say that I have used it frequently and paid the delivery fees just for the the ease of having it delivered to my home and not having to do that. Online shopping in general, I definitely use that. I love it. I think almost everybody kind of has, but you know, traffic, I'm in a big city like we live in can sometimes be... I'm very cumbersome, and so it's way easier for me um, to save time and to order stuff online. Um, Google Maps, I definitely embrace that. I use that all the time to give me directions where I'm going. Um, one thing, I, as I thought about this, I thought was pretty humorous is I use a dishwasher. Yes, I manually wash a lot of dishes, but I also use my dishwasher every day. Um, and I thought that was humorous because my own mother and father do not use a dishwasher still in today's age. They still hand wash everything just as they did when I was, ch- when I was a child. I also, um, I go through car washes. I don't use, um, I don't car wash my own car here at home. I go through some automated deal, which sends my car right through when I come out clean. It's great. I love that technology. I also use a smartwatch. 
in order to make my interactions a little bit easier through my watch, um, what I'm connecting with on my phone. But some things that I have sort of resisted, not on purpose, but that I have done so. And I think that um, because I have, that struggle has actually been good for character. So one thing is I still use a kitchen timer, the old school one that ticks and makes the annoying noise and dings. I also use an alarm clock, a really old school alarm clock. I don't use my phone. I think I still use the same one I did in college 20 years ago. Um, I read physical books. Um, I do listen to some things on audiobook, but I still love the feel of a physical book. I buy DVDs. I don't stream everything. Um, I send handwritten, real paper, tangible thank you cards and birthday cards to people. I clean my own house um, between myself and all of my, my family, right? We clean our own house. We uh, make meals from scratch. Uh, we do the meal planning, the grocery shopping, and then here we make all of our dinners. We don't do any of the already done meal prep and meal delivery services that are now really popular. And also, this is probably my favorite, is I still listen to CDs, mixed CDs at that in my car. I don't have the Bluetooth technology in there. And we create playlists on our iTunes accounts, uh, me and some of the kids. And then we burn them to a CD. And then we put them in the car and we listen to them. We've been doing that for <laughs> all these years. And we don't think anything of it. Humorously, I recently had a friend in the car. And as the CDs were changing that sound, she was like, what is that sound? And I said, oh, that's the CD changer. And as though <laughs> I had just blasted her, you know, her back you know, 15 to 20 years, she couldn't believe that I still had a CD player, much less that I was listening to CDs even more that I had even made or burned these CDs on my own, like we used to make mixtapes in the 90s. And I've still embraced that and sort of love that. Now, whether or not these are building direct character into myself and my kids, the thing is, is that it takes effort. You know, it takes burning CDs and making playlists makes me and the kids think about what songs do we, do we really love enough to listen to over and over and over again, because that's what's going to be in there. We can't do a quick change of playlist, you know, to something else that may be on our phone or, or sending those thank you notes um, that takes time and effort. And I'm teaching my kids to do the same thing. Yeah, you can send a text that's really convenient, but it's really great as well to receive a handwritten thank you note. And what does that mean when they receive something in the, in the physical mail that they can open a card or a letter, right? And they know that feeling and therefore it's good to encourage them in that. So again, there's not, you know, everything, we don't need to completely say all these convenience aspects of technology are bad, but definitely something to consider as you move forward with even more things becoming available to enhance the convenience um, with our smartphones, with technology, how do you want to allow your children to grow up in this very convenient world? Don't just give it a light thought, but really sit down, think about it. Maybe make a list like I did of things that you've embraced and things that you're still holding on to, allowing a little bit of inconvenience, and then consider ways that maybe you could do it even more. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. If you missed anything or you want to find out more information, you can find us online at braveparenting.net. If you have any questions about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look about how to build character using all of this technology that kids love, pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. 
And if you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and rate us while you're there so we know how we're doing. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a parent willing to set a new standard. Until next time, go and be brave.